Books, The Final Frontier. These are the discussions of the podcast Sword and Laser, its continuing mission to explore strange new science fiction and fantasy novels, to seek out new characters and new beverages, to boldly read where no one has read before. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to join the mission. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Mayer. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews. <laughs> I was trying to think of how to say interviews with people on Goodreads and our book club, but like it wasn't rolling <laughs> oh, off my brain. Try, you were trying to tease Kristen. I tried to do it on the in on the fly and it didn't yeah. work. Yeah, so I just did like a Justin Trudeau length like pause <laughs> in there. Um, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy and awesome discussions from fans just like you sometimes with us, which is what was happening today. We bring you author interviews sometimes from fans just like you. You could yeah, have just yeah. short circuit combo. Right. So if I had thought about that ahead mm-hmm. of time, I could have rewritten it and then it would have been great. But alas, uh, instead you get. This wonderful entertainment. You get whatever uh, that was. Yeah. We uh we need some entertainment these days, uh, folks. Uh yeah. it's no secret what's going on in the United States. Uh I want to give my co-host Veronica huge applause and credit uh for what she's been putting up on our Instagram and Twitter uh regarding uh great black authors uh that you can find in science fiction and fantasy. That's our section. That's our section of the world. We, that's what we know, science fiction and fantasy. Uh, so thank you for putting those up. There's some amazing picks there, folks. Uh, yeah. If you want to expose yourself to black authors, go check out Sword and Laser Instagram, Sword and Laser Twitter. And uh, and if you've got uh, others uh, that you'd like to add to the list, uh, send them to us. Uh, feedback at swordandlaser.com. We'd love to hear more. Yeah, definitely want to use this opportunity to kind of put you know, black fans, black writers, black authors uh, to the forefront uh, now more than ever. Um, so really, really happy and excited to do that on on social and on the show. Uh, and uh, the rest of the show now is uh, going to be the normal show. So shall we? Yes, let's hop right into our quick burns. Jeff wrote in that the 2019 Nebula winners have been announced and... The winner is not one we picked, darn it, no. uh, but that's okay. Congratulations, Sarah Pinsker, uh, for A Song for a New Day, uh, winning the Nebula for Best Novel. Uh, it was in there with Charles E. Gannon's Mark of Cain, 10,000 Doors of January by Alex E. Harrow, A Memory Called Empire, our current pick by Arcady mm-hmm. Martin, Gods of Jaden Shadow by Silvia Moreno-Garcia, and Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir. Uh, however, This Is How You Lose the Time War by Amal El Matar and Max Gladstone did win novella nebula yay congratulations and for the ray bradbury nebula award for outstanding dramatic presentation good omens uh, the ah, episode hard the times yay very very cool so congratulations to all the winners they did a really uh fantastic uh broadcasted version of the of the nebula's webcasted version situation it was really it was really delightful to to see all the excerpts from that so Thing. You know, people people figuring out how to make these events happen in the age of when we're not supposed to be going anywhere. Um, so yeah, very cool. That was way better than me feeling all 
super awkward and wandering around the hotel uh, looking for interviews that happened yeah. in last year's Nebula. We've had some awkward years. We've had some, <laughs> We've had some really good Nebula uh, <laughs> interviews, and it's it's unfortunate we weren't be able to able to be there for that. But uh, it will happen again. We shall we return. Just, we're just awkward people, man. I guess it's just what what it comes down to. Um, Mark says that the 2020 Locus Award finalists have been announced, including mm-hmm. several sword and laser picks. So for science fiction novel, um, the nominees are The City in the Middle of the Night by Charlie Jane Anders, The Testaments by Margaret Atwood, Ancestral Night by Elizabeth Baer, Empress of Forever, Max Gladstone having himself a year. Go mm-hmm. Max. The Light Brigade by Cameron Hurley, Luna Moon Rising by Ian McDonald, The Future of Another Timeline by Annalie Newitz, Annalie versus Charlie again. Oh no. Oh my gosh. Uh, Fleet of Knives by Gareth L. Powell, The Rosewater Insurrection slash The Rosewater Redemption by Tade Thompson, and Wanderers by Chuck Wendig. Uh, for fantasy novel, we had Ninth House by Lee Bardugo, A Brightness Long Ago by Guy Gabriel Kay, The Raven Tower by Anne Leckie, Jade War by Fonda Lee, Middle Game by Shauna McGuire, Gods of Jade and Shadow by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia, The Starless Sea, Aaron Morgenstern, Storm of Locusts, Rebecca Roanhorse, The Iron Dragon's Mother, Michael Swanwick, and Dead Astronauts by Jeff Vandermeer. Ooh, yeah. That's, um, all right, I'm confused. Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. That makes me confused because Gideon the Ninth and Harrow the Ninth and her are ninth also house. in the Ninth yeah. House. I don't know that they're in the same universe. Probably not. I was like, wait a second. Did I miss one? When did that one happen? Um, but not not to do a disservice to Lee Bardugo. I just haven't no, read that not. book. And so yeah. it was a it was a, a one a I was unfamiliar with. There for a yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been very much in that world. So I get my brain gets confused. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we, it's only been a week since our, our last, uh, uh, uh sword and laser. Uh, mm-hmm. so the other quick burn we want to mention is Steven pointing out a new virtual con Torcon, and den of geek, uh, info and dates are at the Torah.com website and den of geek, uh, Christopher Paolini and Brandon Sanderson will speak on June 11th, Neil Gaiman and V.E. Schwab on June 12th. Go V.E. Oh, Schwab. Yes. Neil Gaiman. Uh, and, uh, all sorts of other stuff, uh, June 13th and 14th, you do need to register and get an invite. It's, it's acting like a, a regular old con, uh, in that respect, but then you get access to some great stuff. Oh yeah. And on Sunday, June 14th, Corey Doctorow and Nedia Korafor in conversation. Nice. That sounds super interesting. Oh man. You know, I, I mean, I, I get the idea of making it kind of exclusive, but at the same time, I really want everyone to go, and I well, want to go. go. Why, well, why can't you I don't go? Know how. You just how have to I register. Oh. <laughs> it's it's not. It, it just means what that you can't just me? show up. No, I think everyone who registers gets to go. What if I'm not good enough and they don't let me in? Okay, All I right. don't know that they're judging your worth. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Again, but we wouldn't be able to get interviews at this event, would we? Well, no, because we're not there. We can't wander around the virtual yeah. event and try so, to get so interviews. If, with if you Neil go Gaiman. to the link in the show notes to tour.com uh, and you find, let's say you want to go to it, the Cory Doctorow and Nettie Okorafor conversation at 7 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, June 14th, Veronica, you just click on that. It takes you to a page at Crowdcast and you say, save my spot. And you have to give them an email, uh, but they, that way they know who's in the crowd. An email. Let's give my email. Uh, 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Sorry, that was like way whinier than I expected it to sound. Yeah, you, um, you can go. You can okay. view. It's 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 interesting though. Like, yes, you can't decide at the last minute. Or, or maybe you can. I don't know. You might be able to save your spot right up until showtime. Who knows? Okay. I'm curious why they're doing that. I wonder if it's like they want to build a mailing list out of it maybe Probably. for future cons, stuff like that. Might be. Yeah. I've been really enjoying the tour.com blog recently. I, just, I mean, always, mm-hmm. but it's been, it's been pretty on fire. Um, finally, I'm, 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 yeah. uh, you finally are enjoying it. <laughs> finally enjoying it. Um, I know that was a stupid thing to say. <laughs> no, you've been enjoying it a lot more or more often. I don't know. Yeah, I get I've been, I get I've been going to it. I've been like typing it yeah, in yeah. to like go to it recently yeah, as opposed cool. to just like finding it in the quick stumbling burns. across it. Yeah. You're seeking it out. Yeah. That's when, seeking I, it when out. I talk about how I like books, that's like top level is I seek out time to read it rather than just having to read it. Yeah, totally. That's that's yeah. That is something we've come to time and time again, that desire to, to go back to a thing that draw that pull that like that need that want to like get back into the story or, or blog apparently. Yeah. All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Tom, you should take this one because you've actually been to this meetup. Oh, I have not. But thank you for pointing it out. Uh, The source point with the Orange County folks that I've never been to their meetup. Uh, I apologize again. Thanks to Dave Packard, the OC Sword and Laser had a lockdown version of the monthly meetup via Zoom attended by Dave, Stephen, Andrew, Christina and Gary Fisher. Uh, Gary says we spent about 10 minutes discussing Magician Apprentice, then about an hour talking about Star Trek, Star Wars, various books and comics we're reading, TV shows we're watching, and I forget what else a good time was had by all. So not only uh, did the OC folks who always tried to get me to drive down, and I'm so sorry that Mm -hmm. I I just am lazy and want to stay in my house all the time. Uh, but I also missed the Los Angeles one on Zoom. <laughs> like I was going to go. I told Buzz, like, "Yep, see you tomorrow on on Zoom." And then I just spaced it. I had weekend brain, so I'm a horrible host, and I apologize. It's okay. I never even suggested that the San Francisco meetup actually meet over Zoom. So I never, I never even promised. Either. I never yeah. brought it up. Yeah, these folks I'm, brought, I'm also did it a terrible person. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they could be Robert and all of them could be meeting without me over Zoom. Oh I don't know. Um, what if they're like, oh, yeah, we just didn't invite you. We just didn't invite her. She's boring. <laughs> what she, you know, it's not like she's buying drinks or anything. So yeah, what good is she? We don't need credit her. Card. What do we need her for? <laughs> um, but that's awesome. I, I hope that other groups out there are also meeting virtually. Um, maybe it's harder for us because like we're that's what we do every every week or every other week. I think with that each might other. be it. Yeah. So it feels I'm, like I'm the podcast to us. Not necessarily Zoom, but Skype yeah. or Hangouts or Zoom, you know something like it constantly. That's my life now. I'm in meetings mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. we use Blue Jeans um, from from like basically nine a.m. until five or five thirty every day nonstop. My wife so. uses Fuse. There's no Fuse. end of these out there. Yeah. Wow. Uh, We have a 280-word review from Beth, once again, this time for Magician Apprentice. She writes, Magician Apprentice, Raymond E. Feist, a great time travel book. I mean, there's no time travel in it, but while reading it, I am magically a kid again, reading fat fantasy books by the bucketful. Hindsight makes it pleasantly predictable. That nice. seems to be the consensus. We're going to talk to Turk Kristen about that a, a little later on. Kelly Settinger, a.k.a. at Jockwindor, wrote, 
Listening to a sword and laser discussion on the Dune books and which ones to read and which to skip, I'm reminded of a wonderful turn of phrase by Blue Joe Walton, who referred to the later novels as homeopathically good. I don't know what that means. I feel like that's that's saying it's not like real medicine, but it still works. <laughs> I read this tweet and I was like, I don't know what that I know what homeopathic medicine right. or treatments are. I know what that means. I don't know what it means in this context. It's it's I think what the later books are 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 of course written uh by Kevin Anderson and Brian Herbert, uh Frank Herbert's son. Uh or she could be referring to the last three of the Frank Herbert ones. Either way, mm-hmm. it's saying there's the medicine, the you know, the 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 stuff you know works and is recommended by the professionals. And then there's the other stuff that's perfectly acceptable. It's not going to hurt you. It's probably not going to hurt you. <laughs> right, right. It's FDA, you know, it may, it may not be rec- it may not be FDA approved for medicinal treatment, but it's not poisonous. Right. In the, yeah. in the correct doses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. maybe if you take too much of it. Yeah. Don't read would too be much Dune ever. Any any of them. You okay. can overdose on aspirin and on St. John's wort. They're, you know. And Dune. And also Dune. I don't know. Can you really overdose on Dune? I don't know. We've we've the taken spice. this taken this a little far. Uh, Kelly, if you have any idea what it means to be homeopathically good, please let us know on Twitter. Uh, Kenley also has come to us with a 280 word review. This also about Magician Apprentice, a gentle tale of humans, elves, dwarves, and even a dragon. Fun and light without the dark heaviness that pervades fantasy. More than one boy's journey into manhood caused by war. Surprised to not hear from our protagonist in the last <laughs> 85 pages. Magician Apprentice for Sword and Laser. Ah, uh, yes. Well done. Well done, Kenley. Uh, and then Amy at uh, Suthin Bell says, I posted on Goodreads, but wanted to let you know about the new data viz on book picks I made. Oh my gosh, Amy, this is the best thing ever. Uh, This is so cool. It's a visualization of the number of picks over time broken out by female and male. Uh, broken out by year published, broken out by which of us picked our picks, broken out by how many picks did Veronica make that are female? How many male? How many non-binary? What does the date spread look like over time? There's like a graph chart with bubbles that show the number of books from, Mm -hmm. say, the 40s, 60s, 80s. Uh, where are the authors from birthplace, which of course is going to be English speaking countries because we reread English language, but there's a, there's a, you get a little bit of Russia, China, India in here, Japan. So, uh, yeah, this is great and, uh, super helpful in helping us correct for our own biases to look at this and, and, and see like, oh, okay, this, we definitely skew towards the modern. We definitely, uh, in the early days, uh, skewed heavily male. And then in 2014, or actually 2013, suddenly started to balance things out a little, a little better. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, first of all, I love Tableau. This is a great data, data visualization tool. Um, very, very cool. Um, of course, probably supplied also by data from Tazzy Dave and others who yes, have been, yes, who have been collecting it for, for a long time, but this is cool because it's interactive. So yeah. You can actually click on the different elements, but one thing that I'm kind of confused by and I really two things actually. Okay, the picks over time. 
has an option for um, select a color to see the distribution over time, color by author gender. Mm -hmm. And then underneath it, it says include Frankenstein. Because the year spread, if you click yes on include Frankenstein, suddenly you've got one down in the 1800s and it like compresses everything else at the top of the chart. We get a a long tail effect. Super, super thoughtful of Amy to be like, oh yeah, that kind of, that kind of ruins the visualization. So I don't want to leave it out, but I'll give you the option to exclude it so that it makes it more readable to see the rest of them. That's, that's very true. That's super good. This is something, honestly, data and data science is something that I'm super interested in. And as a PM, like we get to dabble in it. We have actual data scientists on our team who do this kind of work like as their job. So I I, I do not by any means claim to be as proficient as they are, but this kind of stuff gets me really stoked, gets me excited, gets me all hot and bothered. Um, This is good stuff. Uh, yeah. and, it, and it just makes me want to do more. And this is, th- I, I, I know that like somebody like who works really hard at this, the last thing they want to hear is, but could it also do this? But I'm definitely looking at this like, Ooh, but I'd also like to be able to see this now. And I wouldn't be thinking that if I didn't have these charts to begin with. So that's, that's right. a compliment. Who did we read? For, what author was from Russia? Do you remember? Who was born in Russia. Yeah. What author's birthplace was Russia? Uh, I'd have to try to remember all of our authors. All of our authors. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Sapkowski was Poland. Poland uh, Lem was Poland. Yeah. We have one Hungarian in there. So anyway, mm. I thought that was yeah. It makes you think too. Never when you ask get to a see question on like a that. podcast you can't that can't be answered. Veronica. Well, no, but then it's fun because then our our audience will tell us. They'll be like, "Come on, you They'll guys!" They'll tell us the thing you should have already known. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm sorry. We're doing it live. That's how we roll. But anyway, Amy, thank you. This was super fun. <laughs> yes, to, this is really to, cool. to play with. Thank you so much. Yes, let's um hop into our book of the month discussion. Um, as teased at the beginning of the episode, um, after we talk about our brief thoughts on our June pick, um, which you should be just picking up uh, this week or so, um, we're going to be joined by Terp Kristen, a longtime Sword and Laser listener, uh, and the selector of Magician Apprentice as last month's pick um, to get her thoughts on what it was like reading this book, you know, many years later and and getting to enjoy it again and how her opinions kind of differed from maybe the first time she read it. Yeah. So let's talk about the book we're reading now, Tom. Why did you say anything? But because you just set up the interview for Kristen. Well, I was teasing. It was a, it was an extensive tease. And then you didn't, Toss to Arcady Martin. So I was waiting for you to say that. A Memory Called Empire uh, by Arcady Martin is uh, the book for June. Uh, yes, just really briefly. Uh, it is, uh, it's fun. I like it. I like it yeah, a lot. It's a murder too. mystery. Yeah. Like it's also a science fiction novel. Don't get me wrong, but it's a murder mystery. And that's like the really fun part is like, oh my God, there's this amazing world. There's this amazing, like, technology and technology and civilizations uh and human spread but then there's also just like a really good murder mystery that you're like i don't know what's the deal why did this happen where are we going with this and it's Uh, exciting there's a lot of action it's very exciting really 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 good so check it out memory called empire by arcady martin all right let us uh talk to terp Kristen about magician apprentice by raymond e feist terp Kristen, welcome to the show Hi, thank you for uh, asking me on. Oh, thank you so much for being here. It's so cool to talk to you. I'm super excited that you're here with us. 
I'm super excited to be here. Like, uh, I think I first heard of you guys, you guys were going to do this on Twit way, way back in the day, like oh, wow. way, yeah. way back in the day. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. So. And when you say this, you mean sword and laser, not sword read laser, magician yes. apprentice. <laughs> okay. Yes. yes. Uh, it was that. Laser. It'd be very weird <laughs> if you were that prescient, you know, X years yeah. ago. <laughs> I told you all those years ago to read this. Finally, you got around to it. Uh, thanks for picking this book too. This was really fun. Uh, I'm glad that uh, you guys seem to enjoy it. I'm sorry that I completely forgot how it ended, or I guess didn't end. I, yeah, the, um, the, I the, totally the did not yeah. remember that at all. <laughs> no, I, I think because I read it when I was in, I think, graduate school. So I think what happened was I went right from one to the next book without even like skipping a beat. And 15 years later, oddly enough, I don't remember that. So. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people in the forums, um, depending on which version they have or where in the world they live, are. I think I feel like a lot of people read both for this, mm-hmm. um, which wouldn't surprise me. I did because I, I I just hit the ending and I was like, wait a second, you just want to keep going, yeah? What's going on here? That's not an ending. Even though I had been trying to like primed and prepped for it. Like it's still, it felt so sudden. So I I just want to know though. So tell me about your first experience reading it. I know it was a while ago. Not that I'm trying to date you or anything, but (laughs) we talked originally. (laughs) You mentioned that it had been a minute. Um, So what, what drew you to the book in the, in the first, the first go around and, and why did you want to read it again? Uh, So what drew me to the book the first time around was probably, um, I was on a, a forum of people who played an online soccer simulation game, and uh, this side forum had <laughs> side qu- had like you know, like an entire like off topic thing where people would talk about books they were reading and authors they liked. And one of the guys was really prominently uh, touting Feist, and so I was like, "Hey, I'll check this out. I've got you know free time." And at that point, I guess I had money of some sort, so uh, so I ended up picking it up at his recommendation, and then really liking it. And then I read uh, the other. I guess three books in this trilogy because the tetralogy, whatever it is when there's four, but it's not really four because it's really three. Um, I'm sure there's a word for that. If not, the increasingly misnamed trilogy (laughs) is what Douglas Adams calls his. So (laughs) I I like it. I like it. Douglas Adams is onto something. Um, So I read all the books in that set and then I went on to the next set and then uh, life happened and I haven't gone back since. And I've, I've seen some of the books on my shelves. I'm like, Oh, I should go back there. So when this opportunity came up, that was one of the things I thought about. Did you feel like it lived up to your previous self's expectations? Yeah, I'm I'm really curious about that when, you know, going back after such a long time in between reads. You know, yes, but also no. I'm a, mm. in, in large part, thanks to Sword and Laser, I read a lot more, uh, a lot, a lot wider variety of science fiction and fantasy. And like modern fantasy is very different. It's more nuanced, if you will, than magician has been. And so on the one hand, it was kind of nice to go back and have a very simple book that I didn't have to pour over every page twice to make sure I understood what was actually being Mm -hmm. said and what was actually going on. Um, This happened to coincide well with some work stuff that work has just been slamming me lately. So this was like, oh, wow, I get to actually take a break and just read for fun and not have to think Mm -hmm. like Um, But it's certainly, compared to other books we've read, I I would say it, quote, doesn't stand up to those, but nor should it necessarily. So, Yeah, I I, I kind of felt 
a, a joy of simplicity in this too. Like I wasn't being surprised by the story necessarily, but it wasn't boring and predictable either. It was just, it was just nice to be like, Oh, okay. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be shocked by a, a crazy twist, but it's, it's doing a good job of, of keeping me entertained and interested in the characters and, and things like that. So even never having read it before, I kind of, I kind of see what you're talking about of that welcoming ease of a read. Yeah, I, I think you need those every now and then. And right now, the world is a very complicated place. So I mm-hmm. think it, it, the way that timing worked out has <laughs> worked out well. <laughs> so yes. So I was. Um, I I think I kind of struggled a little bit too with the. I think I had to let my mind go to that place of being like, this is a very specific kind of book, and I don't want to say like that. I shouldn't expect a lot from it. That's unfair. Um, that's not really what I'm trying to say. I think I think I agree with you about the comparison to a lot of the more complicated books we read now, um, which have had the luxury of coming after books like this um, to be able to make a different kind of statement and to be able to tell different kinds of stories, but are still rooted in that very traditional kind of, of fantasy that we all grew up with. So I, I give it kudos for that. Um, and then I, the more I read it, the more I was like, this is interesting because it's, it's a fantasy book, but it's also kind of a sci-fi book in a lot of ways. Uh, did, did either of you kind of think about that while you were reading as well? I for sure did. Again, I forgot what the Rift War was. I knew it was a thing. I did not remember exactly what it was. So, um, clearly there's a Rift be in, in space. And, uh, so that made that, that it was an un- unexpected bonus for lack of a better word. Yeah, I definitely when when I heard the word aliens, you know, and rifts, I was like, oh, yeah, and this is nice. This has got a little laser aspect to it, uh, which makes it even more appropriate as a as a pick. Uh, I, I find that that is not as uncommon as maybe we would have thought in 2007 when we started this. Like we we've come across a lot of books and they tend to be fantasy books that have a little science fiction element to them or a science fiction wrapping around them, which is what mm-hmm. I would call this. Like it's a fantasy story, but there's a little bit of science fiction on the edges of it. Um, Gideon the Ninth is is kind of like that too, right? Well, it's a magic Dragon fantasy Riders story. Yeah. Dragon Riders yeah, of Pern is another sure. great example. So it feels like that happens more often. We, we've had a few science fiction stories with fantasy in them too. Like that's that's not entirely uncommon either. I guess that's why we're sword and laser. We like to we like to do it all. Um, <laughs> well, I just think it's more common than I would have expected. You know, the genres aren't so rigidly separate. True. Um, what what characters did you like, and and who could you do without? <laughs> Is that to me or to Tom? It can it can. We're, we're all going to answer. Okay, fair. So I have not gone back to read reread Master. I wanted to have Magician Apprentice very much in my head as I had this conversation. I didn't want to mix and match things. Yeah, that was and my I problem. For- <laughs> yep, I did that for sure. <laughs> so I vaguely think that Caroline's role gets better and Roland's role gets better. I, there was sort of hints of it kind of at the end of Apprentice. But in the first book, they were kind of just simpering teenagers. And I'm like, oh my God, I cannot deal with teenagers just being moody and, and annoying. So that was... Um, <laughs> That was a wee bit frustrating. I think I think those were probably my two least favorite as I would read or as I would listen while I was on the elliptical. Uh, wait, <laughs> it was this was your elliptical book? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, if to find the right amount of time, I would need to make sure I did it while I was quote working out, and because of all the lockdowns and 
other things going on. I usually work out at like four o'clock in the morning. So Ooh. on the elliptical. I, I gotta I feel like I'm gonna re- forget everybody's name now. I did do the thing where I I did read both books and I'm I'm struggling now to remember exactly where they separated off. I know that um the last half of Apprentice, maybe like the last sixty percent or so, Pug is just gone. He's just like not in the story you anymore. You build up all this Pug, and then he's like <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> I thought that was actually a really interesting kind of device. Or, or I mean, think of thinking of it as a standalone book, which clearly it does not hold up that well as a standalone book. But were it to be a standalone book. That would be how interesting would that be for your main character to just disappear like just a little bit halfway after after the you know the the book really gets going. And if you think about it, the second character we get introduced to is Thomas, and he disappears for a reasonable portion. I mean, a lot of the stuff is you know mm-hmm. what Aruth is doing and what the Duke is doing and the stuff across the sea and Martin Longbow, all the other characters that you know they play a role, but you see much more of them than you actually see of these quote two characters who seem to be this the the story at the beginning right yeah if i didn't right. know there was another half to this book i would not think that was a very good device to just have a character <laughs> disappear and never tell you what happens like that's that's like violating one of the the ba- main premises of storytelling is that everything should advance the story and i would have felt like all the time i spent with pug or most of it was not advancing a story if there's no more pug towards the end I don't know. I would kind of like that to be done well. I feel like it was how done. How do you do that well, though? Like, how do you make that satisfying? How do you make the reader not feel like they wasted their time if the person just disappears and has no impact? Right. It's one thing if they die writer. heroically or if it causes a mystery. <laughs> right. But that was not. Pug was just captured and that was it. Like, we never heard from him again. I kind of, in, in hindsight, compared it to Hyperion. The first time I read Hyperion hmm. um, mm-hmm. was, you know, many years before SNL read it. And the first time I read it, I got to the end. I'm like, wait, this is the book. What's <laughs> what is going on here? And I got mad because it was like number three on a top science fiction and fantasy yep. must read. And I was just like, what is this? I don't understand. Nobody ever told me there was another book, and then frankly, another two books after that that really told the rest of the story. Mm-hmm, but if you mm-hmm. think about Hyperion, right? The Hyperion is the is the four travelers, and then you get to Fall of Hyperion. I think that's the next book in the series. You get to Fall, and like all that preamble is good. But it's not really relevant to what happens in Fall of Hyperion. It's kind of like that almost. I felt I this is we're we're now we're following this rabbit hole a little bit, um, or I guess is this a rat hole, Tom? Is is that a better definition? Um, Depends on where anyway. you end up. I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I'm not going to come back to Magician Apprentice with this. Okay, line then of it's thinking. not a rabbit hole. It's a rabbit, <laughs> it's a rabbit hole. <laughs> okay. You're escaping. <laughs> I'm escaping temporarily. I'll be back. Know. Just think, not on the same right. thread. Um. Yeah, when we were reading Hyperion, I felt the same way. And I started reading the next one and I didn't like it. So I stopped like <laughs> 15% of the way in. I was like, mm, this is boring. Because it was all like like a gr- groups of people having like conferences about what to do. And I was like, mm, <laughs> this sounds this sounds like bureaucracy. Sounds and like so work. I stopped. Yeah. So I stopped reading it. And so I never found out what happened. Um, so yeah, that's maybe not the best way. I feel like when you come back and you don't, sometimes I have trouble when sequels pick up and they don't pick up right away or they don't pick up in the same theme. Actually, um, I have to say one book that did that really well to, to go back to Harrow the Ninth, 
um, the the next one uh, in that series does kind of take a a, a little you bit mean of a the left one that turn. only special people have gotten to read because it's not actually yeah. out for the rest of us. Yeah, yet. that yeah. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so that that one it does take a little bit of a of a left turn, as I was saying before I was interrupted, and <laughs> for feeling special, and um, it was, but it it got better, like not better, but it was like amazing anyway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I guess it is possible. So anyway, going back to pug, to pug and his adventures. Um, yeah, it's funny because there's so many characters in the first book that I didn't feel like I got to know very well, who become so important in the second book, like Liam, for example, um, who, and, and Carlene in many ways as well. Um, they they obviously martin um they they have like these whole other stories that really kind of present themselves in the next book um but originally i wasn't super interested in those characters at all um pug story of course gets gets way more interesting i feel like the second book is also better written but i can't tell if it's because the first book is very centered around young people and i feel like we kind of talked about this maybe with with um with with other Veronica, <laughs> Veronica <Roth. laughs> about yeah about like books that are written in the voice of young people feel like they're written less well I guess mm-hmm. because younger people have not as compli- necessarily complicated experiences or thoughts or maybe this was a much earlier discussion that we had with another author who's also worked in in YA. Um, but that's how it felt to me. Like I felt like when the characters grew up, the writing grew up kind of like Harry Potter, you know, as the story progresses, the, the books become more complicated and, and more intricate. And that's kind of how I felt about, about book one and two of Magician. I can totally see that. Um, and I do think that's true. Like the, the, the writing is growing up, uh, as you said, the writing is growing up with it, right? The, you're mm-hmm. watching not only the, the, the characters mature but you're right watching everything around them become you know less idyllic and in and in turn all the all the the way the writing has to happen becomes much more targeted also yeah yeah and i think that going back to the idea of like could this have stood on its own i think that's one of the reasons i don't think magician apprentice can really stand on its own because even hyperion had like an interesting world and breadth of language uh and and unpredictability and mystery around it so it may have ultimately been unsatisfying, but it had other things going on. Whereas Apprentice is very focused, as we talk about. That's one of the enjoyments of it is that you don't have to work so hard about on a on a on the on the mystery or understanding the world. It's got enough there to keep you interested, uh, and so you kind of need that second book to bring the growth of those characters, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm trying to think who else was super interesting. I did did you feel like it was a traditional kind of chosen one book or do you feel like it it brought something new to that kind of trope or genre? Uh, it was definitely a, a chosen one. I mean, I think it's a product of its time too, right? You got to remember this was mm-hmm. I think the early 80s. I don't think 82, a, a, yeah. Yeah. I don't think a non-chosen one type story would have gone so well. It would have even necessarily been able to be sold, right? You talk about comparing to the fiction of today and the and specifically the genre fiction of today, a lot of that would never have been able to be published even maybe 10 years ago or, you know, just on the border of being published even 10 years ago. Now we're talking uh, 40 years ago. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. math is hard. Um, 40 years ago. Yeah. 
it, it's just, it's just a very different time. <laughs> so sorry, that was the year I was born. So <laughs> I was born in '79, so I totally get it. <laughs> I was 13. Was All right, Tom, English, we get it. But, yeah. Um, we get it. Yeah, Tom. no, I, 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 it made me think. It made me wonder. Uh, and this is something I haven't looked into closely enough, but I feel like a lot of the novels that get acclaim or popularity have heroes uh, until the mid 20th century. Those are not chosen ones. They're heroes. They're heroes from the beginning. The adventurer mm-hmm. who who wins the day and is the hero. And the chosen one, it's hard to realize this is kind of a subverted story because it's about a person who isn't a hero, who shouldn't be a hero, learning to or growing into or somehow becoming a hero. And that was a new story for a long time. And that's why I say, I don't know whether it was still very new in 1983 or not, but you know, this, this is, we're getting to the point where the, the chosen one is an old trope, but it wasn't always at one point it was the revolutionary way of telling the story and, and, yeah. and magician and Prentice is, is far enough back that it certainly wasn't at the beginning of the, of the chosen one stories, but it's not, it, we hadn't got to the point where we were so immersed in those kinds of stories that were like, yeah, 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 chosen one, but give me something more. I think too, that, that I, I'm going to challenge myself a little bit about this chosen one theory for, for pug, especially because it, it, I mean, I think it comes out more really in book two. Um, but in, in Apprentice, he, I mean, he, Colgan sees some ability in him early on. He's able to use that. He's able to scry using the crystal ball. He's able to, um, there's like a sense in him that there's power. And that, that feels like very chosen one. That's like, oh, there's an inkling that this person Mm -hmm. is destined for greatness. What will it be? But then we get to the actual apprentice portion and turns out he kind of sucks and he's like not good at it. And he's frustrated and brooding and Culgan's like trying to figure out all these different ways to kind of, you know, give, give him a kick in the butt to get him moving. And then it kind of, he turns into like this instant celebrity when he saves, um, Carlene from the trolls. Right. So he, it, it, it kind of subverts the, the chosen one thing pretty quickly because he's already, he's like a young kid, but he's really just, it's not weird to be a magician. It's not weird to be able to have magic. And so it doesn't feel like a big of a deal because he figures out one way to tap into his powers pretty early. Um, but it's like kind of what's expected of him because he's the apprentice to a magician. It's not like, oh my God, this person is better than anybody in the world. That kind of comes out later. Um, so he's the Harry alert. Potter of his time, huh? He, yeah, he's like Harry Potter, but like before everyone figures out that Harry Potter is like destined to destroy, he shall, he shall, who, he who shall not be named. That's um, I know it's, I haven't really tried it's just to, easier say to say that pretty fast. Really? Ah! <laughs> But um, he so anyway, is, that's, that's my small piece. To me, that what you just described is a chosen one story. Someone who is not thought to be the, the talented one. He hears the call when he's chosen as an apprentice, uh, rejects the call, right? This is classic hero's journey stuff because he's not he any good at it. The, then he didn't finds, reject the call. He works he really he hard reje- at it for like a re- really long time. No, no. He rejects the call because he's not good at it. 
right? That's rejecting the call doesn't mean you literally have to have him go like, nope, I am not going to do this. It's like, oh, I'm no good at this. Obviously, this is not my thing, right? He's, he's not, it doesn't look like he's going to succeed. And then situation comes along. He has to save Carlene where he embraces his power. And, and I would add that like, everyone's like you, that shouldn't have worked. That's an old form of magic. How did you do that? Mm. You're not following any of the forms. So it is weird. It is surprising. I guess that was a little weird. I think that was only weird to Culgan, though. I don't think it was to everyone else. He was just kind of doing what he was finally supposed to do. And so it was like if he was apprenticed to mm. Martin, Martin Longbow and suddenly he was able to like hit the bullseye and everyone's like, oh, finally he hit the bullseye. Like he's only been apprenticing for like, you know, but what if he was doing it without a bow? Like he's then like, oh, Martin I can't hit the bullseye know. when I use a bow, but I can just throw it. That's essentially what he was doing. It's like, I can't do it the way you're, I'm supposed to do it, but I can do magic. Yeah. But then Martin know. would know, but no one else would care because he still did the thing he was supposed to do. They don't yeah. really apparently care how it was done. We're, we're kind of nitpicking now. I just thought definitely, it was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's what we do on podcasts. Um, kind of <laughs> the point. Um. Yeah, I guess that's that's pretty. Those were pretty much my thoughts. I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I, I. So yeah, what was your what was your final take on it, Terpu? Did you feel like how how did you feel once you finished it? And will you read the next one? Uh, so I'll take this again. Shorter. I will absolutely go back uh, to Master and then probably on to the other two books. One of which is, I think, A Darkness at Sethanon, and I don't remember mm-hmm. what the other one is off the top of my head. Um, so I'll probably. Almost definitely do those again. I think this the, t- the way the timing worked out. This was like the ideal book, so I was in heaven for a good portion of it. But I think had situation been different, you know, work not being absolutely bearish as it's been in the outside mm-hmm. world, not being as awful as it is between every like twenty twenty, just being out to get us. Um, like had this been twenty nineteen, maybe it wouldn't have had the same impact. <laughs> but, uh, that's yeah. really interesting because there is something to the idea that, uh, you know, literature is very much of its time and the conditions, you know, the condition, harder conditions can make a different style more acceptable. It's just what we're experiencing right now. Right. Yeah, for sure. So for me, it lived up to, to the, to what I'd remembered, but I forgot how poorly it ended or didn't end. So I, I probably would have gone differently had I remembered that fact, but. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm definitely, um, you know, I would be amenable to the idea of finding a rift and going to Suranuani, 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 yeah, what you said, Suranuani, leaving Midkemia. I think <laughs> I think I would be amenable to leaving our current McKemia and and taking a taking a breather over there for a little bit, um, you know, seeing the sights, figuring out what's what, um, discovering my my incredible powers. Um, but we don't have the luxury, so you know, we just got to do what we can to make this world a little bit better. Got to save our own McKemia, or invest a lot of money and then get a ride on a private spaceship. But you know, <laughs> there's also that. There's also that. <laughs> That's kind of out of my reach, but maybe it's in one of your guys' reach. I don't know. Not mine. I don't, yeah. <laughs> only if they want a very, very nerdy person to talk their ear off about science fiction fantasy um, for many months. They did spend a lot of time getting the audio right when they when they when they docked 
<laughs> oh, that's important to them. That's important to me too. So I, there I, we go. I was feeling their pain. I was like, oh man, every podcaster is empathizing with you right now. Well suited. Um, Terp, thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you for picking our book. It was really, really fun to get to read, um, get a suggestion and, and, and read it. It was my pleasure. And thanks for asking me to do it. I was honestly very flattered. So, <laughs> Well, we appreciate you coming on. That was so great. We should definitely oh, do something like that again sometime. So much fun. Thank you again, Terp Kristen, for picking that book. It was so cool. And thank you, as always, to all of you out there. Thank you so much for supporting our show. Uh, if you want to learn more, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser uh, to figure out how you can help support us. And also, I added a couple new books to Lem's library this month. So there's a few new selections on there. For those of you who are interested, still still churning those out to our Lem's librarians. Always a very good time. You can also support the show by just buying some books. We got a bunch of links up of books that are our picks, books that we talk about, books that we like. It goes back years now. It's basically an entire bookstore on a webpage. Go check it out, swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email feedback at swordandlaser.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!